0: Uh, we are glad to have you with us this morning. We are in the last week of a series uh, called "I Love My Church," and in that, what we have been trying to do is uh, just remind ourselves of uh, not the duties of membership, but the privileges that we have in in being able to serve the kingdom of heaven. Uh, in in the scriptures, the church, uh, also known as the body of Christ or the bride of Christ, the church is God's a plan for the redemption of the world. The church is the hope of the world. This is the vehicle through which redemption and the good news of Jesus Christ will be shared. It's, it's our job in order to get that good news out. And, and too often in churches, we get wrapped up in the programs and the politics and all the other stuff. And and none of that, the politics is bad, but the programs aren't. None of that is bad, but we just always need to remind ourselves what our main purpose is what what we are called to. Our main goal is to make sure that other people know the good news about our Savior, Jesus Christ, right? And and so we've been doing that, uh, reminding ourselves that when we join this church, th- th- these are the things that we are committing ourselves to. Uh, the first, uh, the profession to the kingdom of heaven is the, the primary uh, action that we take of confessing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But in our local church, how we say we want to join in serving, the things we say here are uh, that we will share our prayers, our presence, our gifts, Our service and our story or our witness. Our prayers, presence, gifts, service, or story. And over the last weeks, we've, last couple weeks, we've talked about prayers and presence. And then last week, we talked about gifts and service. Today, I want to talk about our story or our witness. Uh, Interestingly, uh, that one didn't get added to the membership vows until 2008. And so a lot of you joined the church before that was a deal. Don't worry, we grandfathered you in. You're still responsible for it, right? But that is a recent addition to the membership vows in the United Methodist Church, which, I mean, a lot of times, denominational stuff, it's like somebody finally said, oh, we should be sharing our faith. Oh, yeah, maybe we should, right? And they, so they added it. But um, But out of all the vows, it's the one that people are the most intimidated by, right? prayers you know we all know we need to pray Uh presence we we get showing up as uh, gifts we 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 know that there's things we need to share uh, with others serving others we can we can push ourselves to do that but talking about sharing our faith or sharing our story of witnessing to others and all of a sudden we go Ooh, not for me and I think part of that is because uh, somewhere along the way, uh, I, I think a lot of us met somebody who gave evangelism a bad name, right? They were a little too pushy. They were a little too judgmental. They were a little too in your face. They were a little too uh, know-it-all and holier-than-thou. And, and so we we don't want to do that. We, we don't want to get in people's space and we don't want to push our beliefs on other people. It always cracks me up though when we say that because we have no problem doing that if it comes to UT football or A&M football. We'll, we'll, we'll push that in somebody's face all the time. But, but with our faith, we're so gentle in that. And so it's intimidating because we don't want to be those people that, that are obnoxious about what we believe. I think the other reason we're intimidated by it is because we're not sure we have anything important to share. Right? I know for myself, I grew up in a church that we used to have evangelical uh, weekends and they'd invite guest pastors in. And it was like a, a, a whole uh, few days of talks and everything. And, 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 uh, they always got these speakers to come in that were like, uh, been in prison for 17 years and was a heroin drug addict and now they gave them their life to Christ and now they're leading a church of 18 million in, in another country and they have this fantastic testimony and you're sitting there going, well, my life is boring. I don't, want, I don't have any, anything to share, right? You you might be like Lori, who who basically her testimony is, I grew up in a family that took me to church. and, And the church loved me and my parents loved me and I knew God loved me. And that's just always been what it is. And we think that's a boring story. That's actually a praise God story, right? Especially if you're a parent, isn't that what we want for our kids? But we're intimidated because we don't think we have something good enough to share. I want to, I want to help you in that today that I believe all of us are called to share our story, our experience. The things that God has done in and through us. I think we're, so, we're, we're called to share that with others. I think it's, it's good for us and I think it's good for the world as, as we share the, the stories of Jesus Christ. In fact it's it's a central part of Christianity. At the end of Matthew in the great commission Jesus says go make disciples of all nations teach them all the things that I taught you baptize them in my name uh, in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit and remember I'm with you always. From those that that was his his big assignment for those who follow him, for anyone who's a disciple, any of us that call ourselves Christian, that's our assignment to go share the good news of Jesus. He continued that uh, right before he ascended into heaven. We're going to be in Acts of the Apostles. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 1, verse 6. He'd already met him on the mountain. Uh, there, now he's, he's going to be ascending into heaven. These are little, literally his last words to his followers. Verse 6, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, is the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Hold on for just a second. Even with all of their experience of Jesus, they still didn't get it, right? Basically, what they're saying here is, okay, now that you're back from the dead, when do we get to kill Romans? And when do I get my badge saying I I work for you, right? When, When are you going to restore your kingdom and bring glory back to Israel? And that's not what Jesus came for. And He says, He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set the dates of time of when He's coming back. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be My witnesses telling people about Me everywhere. In Jerusalem throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Ben, will you leave that last slide up? He says, you're going to be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to be my witnesses. And then he he lists off some cities, and they're not just uh, random cities. He's He's giving a vision in what he's sharing here. He says, in Jerusalem, well, that's locally, right? That's where they are. I want you to tell the people that you know. I want you to tell the people that you live with, that you go to work with, that you're part of the community with. Tell, tell, be my witnesses where you are. Judea was like regionally. Related, but regionally. Uh, that's expanding out like the southwest, uh, part of the United States or, or whatever. I want you to, I want you to not just do it locally, but I want you to take it regionally. Samaria were the bad guys. He didn't just say, hey, I want you to go find good church members that look like you and talk like you and think like you. I want you to go even to the people you don't like. And then he said, and take it to the ends of the earth. And as a disciple, I mean, they were used to being confused by Jesus, but they had to have been confused. Like, how is that ever going to happen? How, how, how am I telling a story, giving my account of my experience with Jesus? How is that ever gonna change the world? And I think that's part of what we think is, how is my story gonna make a difference? Well, if it was just in our power and our story, then you're right. That's not gonna make much of a difference. But if you paid attention, he said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive power. And then I want you to be my witness. See, part of what we don't teach enough and what we don't understand about evangelism is we don't want you to be you. (laughs) We want you to be Jesus. We want want Jesus to speak through you. We don't need your opinions. We want the light of Jesus to come through. And when we give ourselves to Him, He gives us Word. He helps us to tell the story. Look at pre-Holy Spirit disciples and post-Holy Spirit disciples. Pre, fighting over everything and arguing who's most important. Post, giving their lives to Christ and winning thousands to the Kingdom of Heaven. It took place, uh, if if you're reading in Acts and follow through that chapter into chapter 2, it it took place in what we call Pentecost, where uh, this idea of going globally, all of a sudden God took care of it in an instant. The Holy Spirit fell on a group of people that were gathered from all nations, and, and the Holy Spirit came down, there was a little... Licks of flyer above everybody's head. He gave people the ability to speak languages they didn't even know. So people from different countries were able to hear the, the message even in their own tongue, even though people didn't know what they were saying. And in an instant, 3,000 people from various uh, surrounding areas knew the good news. And like that, you had a global movement on your hand, not because of what the people did, but because God did what he promised he would do. We're supposed to carry that out. We're the body of Christ. We're the followers of Jesus. I want you to be my witnesses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, have I received the Holy Spirit? Well, here's the, here's the test. Do you have the Son? Have you given yourself to the Son? Because if you've given yourself to the Son, then you have the Father and you've received the Holy Spirit. It's a package deal. Right, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the door. He's the gate. He's the one in which we come through. And once we come through, the fa- we are connected with the Father. And Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit as a gift. We all have the power of that. You have everything you need to be a witness for for God. He's provided all of that for us. We we have the privilege, the honor of sharing our story, of sharing our experience with other people. Experience is that is that thing that is unique uniquely Wesleyan in our understanding of the importance of 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 experience. As Wesley came in, he introduced this idea that the way we understand God, the way we interpret Scripture, Scripture is our primary. The Bible is the primary way we understand God. There's tradition that we hang on to for orthodoxy and to make sure we're not inventing new ways of following God or seeing who He is. So Scripture and tradition and reason is a part of it. You use your brains. You don't check your brains to become a Christian. But the unique thing that... Wesley brought, is he also said, we also know God through our spirit. The way that he has moved in our lives and the things that he has done within it. As, as he's telling the disciples, I want you to be my witnesses. What he's saying is, go tell people what you saw and heard from me. Go tell them how you experienced me. Go tell them about how you thought I was dead and then I came back to life. Go tell them about all the times I healed people. Tell them about your experience. And that is the same thing we are called to do. You have a story. It may not be dramatic. It may be sort of boring, but it's your story. Here's what I've learned though. Even if you have a boring story, there's been chapters in your life where you've not been so great, right? There's those dark college years.
1: (laughs) <laughs> or wanderings, right? And, and take that away. You've experienced Him in other ways too. That time you were lonely and He showed up.
0: That time you felt like you were all alone, nobody cared, and He led you into community and friends. That time you were worried about a loved one
1: and they got better. Or even when that time when
0: the loved one didn't get better, but he took care of your heart. Right? You have a story. We all have a story. And all Jesus is asking us to do is to share our story. It's it's not a hard deal to do. You don't need to memorize the Roman road. You don't need to walk them through the Scriptures and everything. That that That's what we get intimidated about. Every time I go to a conference, right, you got some guy that gets up and talks and talks about how he, he led 17 people to Christ on the airplane flight over. And I'm like, I didn't even look at a person while I was sitting on the airplane. <laughs> I barely talked to the stewardess when she asked if I wanted a Diet Coke or not. But right, I, So it's intimidating. I get it. I understand that. But, but what he's asking us to do is not defend our faith, or or defend religion. He's asking us to share our story. I want to provide uh, what I think is a great example of that by an unlikely fellow who, uh, in our terms, was not even a believer, but he had an experience with Jesus that changed his life. It's in John chapter nine. John chapter nine. This is the story of the blind man that
1: Jesus healed. Lost my, come on, these pages stick together.
0: It's a story of a blind man uh who Jesus healed. He he was the blind man in town. He had been blind since he had been born. Everybody in town knew him as the blind man. Uh he was hanging out one day and Jesus saw him and uh Jesus uh decided to heal him and he knelt down and he spit in the mud and he made a little concoction and then put it on his eyes and told him to go wash in the pool of Shiloham. And as he goes to the pool and washes off his eyes and opens them, he can see. There's been a miracle done, right? So this isn't like a a church person who had been going to synagogue or their whole time. He's a blind man who Jesus showed up and did something. And let's see how he tells his story. We're going to pick it up in verse 10. They ask, who healed you? What happened? And he told them, the man they called Jesus made mud, spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. Well, where is he now? They ask. I don't know. Then they took the man
1: who had been blind to the Pharisees.
0: Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made mud and healed him. Dum, dum, dum. Uh, Right? I mean, get that. What were they mad about? The fact that he made mud was working on the Sabbath. Isn't religion great? The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes. And when I washed it away, I could see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God, for he's working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. And then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? And the man replied, "I think he must be a prophet." And the Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called in his parents and they asked him, "Is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how come he can see now?" And his parents replied, "We know this is our son and that he was born blind. We, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself." His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said, he's old enough, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we all know that that man Jesus is a sinner. I don't know whether he's a sinner or not, the man replied, but I do know this, I was blind and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? And then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we're disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks, because I love this story. Number one, because I love the blind man's his testimony. It's like, pay attention. I don't know. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a Pharisee. I don't want to argue with you. All I know is, I had mud on my eyes, and I thought to myself, I gotta wash this off. And then he told me, go wash it off. I was like, thank you. You just spit on me, and I washed it off. You're all tight this morning. I don't know what. <laughs> that was hilarious. But anyway. And when I opened them, I could see.
1: It's a miracle. Part of why I like this is because
0: in today's world, we, we live in a culture that's hostile to Christianity, right? I'm not trying to play Fox News or anything. But the reality is we're, we're closely following Europe, who has moved way down the post-Christian age. And we're in a place where our culture questions the validity or whether Christianity even is relatable to our world. If there really is an authority God has, if, we really, if there really is power in this invisible God that we serve, we, there is this hostility to our, our message and our story. But for those of us who believe, We know that God has made a difference, right? Some of our stories, people could argue are are coincidences or more medical of medicine or, or, or things like that or acts of kindness. But we know that it's God who gave the physician the blessing that allowed him to be a part of our healing. Or restoring our health.
1: It's, it's that knowledge that
0: that we believe Jesus did something. This This guy didn't have a big experience with God and didn't have a big experience with Jesus. All he knew is that I met him and my life changed. My life changed because of this person. And you notice he didn't get called, he didn't get drawn into arguing. He could have, they were wanting to fight over the Sabbath. He didn't say anything about the Sabbath, whether it was work or not. He didn't get drawn into that. They referred to Moses and we follow Moses, not Jesus. And he could have gotten in an argument with that. And he didn't get into all of that. He just, he kept his message simple. Here's my experience. I was blind
1: and now I see. Now, you have a story
0: like that. Maybe not as riveting. Maybe not as, as exciting. But you have a story. There is something in your life. There is a pathway. There is a journey you have been on that looking back, and a lot of times it takes hindsight for us to see this, that looking back you can say, you know what? There was a time where I really felt alone and I wasn't sure I was ever going to get right. But looking back now, I can see that God had His hand on me and He guided me exactly where I wanted to be. You know what? There was a time when I thought cancer might
1: take me out. And then for whatever reason, went back to the doctor and they said, that's not there anymore. For me, I can say, I did the church thing and I was done
0: with it. And I ran as far and as long from God as I could. And then I met my wife who made me go back to church in order to date her. And she was cute enough I was willing to do that.
1: And as I entered back into the
0: church, all that emptiness and anger, all of a sudden there was something that was missing that got filled in my heart. And a lot of the forgiveness that I thought would never come, that would never be possible, I received from Him. And because of that, I have a purpose in my life. When I was wandering aimlessly before, I have a purpose and a direction that I never had without Him. And no, my wife was a participant in the story, but it wasn't because of her, it was because of Jesus. Right? You have a story
1: like that. And here's the deal.
0: In rehearsing that story, that helps you remember what God has done. We, we have this tendency to sort of forget. The farther we're removed from the event, we have this tendency to, to sort of forget. It's the same thing God said to the Israelites after he led them into the promised land. Someday you're going to be sitting on the hill looking at all that you have and all your livestock and all your crops, and you're going to pat yourself on the back for it. But I want you to remember that I'm the one that gave it to you. And it's the same with us. In the midst of the struggle, we're like, "Oh God, help us! Oh God, help us!" And then we get some distance between it, and we're like, "Man, I made some great decisions as a human being." We need to remember our story because it's important for us to remember what God has done, and and not just a long time ago, right? We we can we can we can rehearse that that time at, at. camp when you were 12 years old and you went up, that's great. But unless you're 12, there's been some other things that God has done in your life since then. Andy Stanley, a pastor in Atlanta, has this, uh, has this saying, he'll say, if, God, if you can't tell a story of what God's done in your life in the last six months, you need to check your relationship. Right? Uh, people who are a part of the Walk to Emmaus reunion group, they practice this. Uh, the, one of the questions in there, one of the topics for conversation watous is a is a, a a spiritual retreat uh that afterwards you you get together with people who have done it and there's this accountability group that you meet in uh to to keep the fire burning right and and one of the questions in that is is a way to train our minds in this it's uh how has God moved in how have you experienced God in the last week right it's it's training us that God is always at work around us always he's always active right now he's doing something in your life he's protecting you he's he's shielding you he's blessing you he's he's pulling you back or or pushing you forward he he's running ahead of you or 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 Protecting you from behind. He's always at work. And, and the more we rehearse this and, and practice our story for ourselves, the more we begin to have eyes that see that which make us more thankful for it. We're, Thanksgiving is this Thursday. I hope you're thankful for more
1: than expensive turkey. Right? And here's the way you get more thankful. You rehearse what God has done. You tell the story. In Jerusalem, Judea,
0: Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, parents, grandparents, if your kids or your grandkids don't know your story, that's a great place to start. That should be part of the family legacy. They need to know your story. Why is it important for you that you go to church? Why why, why is this a priority in your life? Peter, in one of his letters, says, when anyone asks of your faith, be ready with an answer. Be ready with an answer. This is my answer to how do we share our story without getting in people's faith? I think you wait for the invitation. Which you might be saying to yourself, "Well, when's that ever going to come?" You would be surprised that when you pray for the opportunity, how God opens doors. I challenge you this week if you want to if you want to try it to begin praying. God, could you help initiate a conversation that somebody asked me about my faith? And because of this sermon, you're going to be ready
1: for it, <laughs> right? And you don't go,
0: Oh wait, I gotta get my Bible. You say, Well, here's my story. I I can't tell you a lot about theology and stuff, and there's a lot I don't understand, and there's a lot about God I still am trying to figure out, but this is what I know.
1: I was blind, and now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was I was going nowhere now I have purpose and meaning. I was carrying a burden of my my past acts. And now I have a freedom I've never experienced before. You have a story. And some
0: folks may not want to hear it. Some may want to argue with me, with you. That it's whenever I do a wedding and the family invites me, especially a family I don't know, they always put me at the weird relative table at the reception <laughs> with some weird uncle who's had some horrible experience in church and he's—it's—it's he's, time to exercise his demons with the pastor at the table. And I'm like, oh please, right? That, That's not necessarily where you want to share your You don't need to get in arguments with people. You just tell your story like the blind man. I don't know.
1: I I can't explain it. But I can tell you, to me, it's a miracle.
0: Right? Lori told this story um, at the Illuminate. So uh, some of you uh, women that went to the Thanks Illuminate event have heard part of this story. But um, our oldest daughter Sydney and her husband Taylor uh, had a really hard time getting pregnant, and uh, um, for for Denver, and that was several years ago. And as a as a in order to have a child, they had to go through IVF, and that's a uh, in vitro fertilization, and that's a very expensive process. And uh, it took them a long time. And finally, Denver came, and and she's great. She's three years old. And a, a couple of years ago, um, they decided they wanted to try again. But again, IVF is very expensive. They'd already burned through their savings the first time. They figured they had enough to to try it for six months. And so uh, they had tried it for six months. It was. Uh, a, a year ago, um, that they, they, they were there. And, uh, at Christmas, uh, Sydney and Taylor were like, this is going to be our last month. We can't afford it anymore. And you know what? We've been blessed De- Denver is great. God has shared a great child with us. We are, are blessed. Well, they shared that with Lori's mom, Echo, and her dad, uh, Don, uh, over Christmas. And, and so Don and Echo said, Hey, you know what? Um, Because IVF sort of builds up over a time, let's give it one more month. So they sent the money for that to happen. Echo died in May, but a couple weeks before she died, Sydney was able to call her and say, because of her gift, she was pregnant. Right? So on Thursday,
1: we got to welcome our miracle.
0: That's that's Chipper. I didn't name him, but I love him. <laughs> <laughs> Chipper Austin Jamness, right? Uh, the next picture, and that's my grandpa Hart. That's Denver holding her little brother Chipper, right? And and when you have your own church, you can put your grandkids up too. But. <laughs> Right, And I know I'm not the first one to have a grandchild. And I know that we're not the first ones with an IVF story. And I know that that our journey has been harder on other people and everything. But for us, this is the story of what God is doing in our
1: life. And I don't need to defend it. I just need to celebrate it. And tell anyone and everyone that will listen, God's good. He's good. And when we gather at Thanksgiving over a crying baby, we are certainly thankful for the doctors that helped.
0: But make no mistake, this was Jesus who blessed you. Right? You have a story too. And it may be so commonplace. And maybe people have had a more exciting or a better or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's your story story and if you're willing to share it, you would be amazed at how God might use it. Watch you bow with me, and let's pray.
1: It is mind blowing to think how many times God you have showed up in my life. It is amazing to think of all the miraculous things that have taken place. And for myself, it's shameful how how unoften I give you thanks.
0: I want to rehearse my story for my own heart, but I also want to do it out of obedience so that when somebody asks me about my faith, I can give them a story of your power and your goodness. Would you unlock our tongues and unlock our hearts? God, take the mystery and the intimidation out of this world. Out of this word, just help us share the good news of who God is in a way that brings you glory and draws people near.
1: And we pray that in the powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.